Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, we are having a we're having a hell of a freaking week, man. We we got we got people going down all over the place. You were you were sick, and then we had to postpone locker room till tonight as well. We're recording two episodes tonight sick. because uh, no, I only had, had bubble had a, guts. Well, yeah, that's sick. You know, I mean, bubble guts. You know, bubble guts is sick. It's just why do you have it? <laughs> Probably because you're a cop. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Matt had an emergency and yeah, Matt had a minor emergency. He'll get crazy. into that. It's been a crazy couple of days. Uh, World War three is on the verge of breaking out. Russia wants Alaska back. Um, in part of California. Yeah. Which I don't Ridiculous. understand, but Hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> we bought it fair and square. Fuck off. <laughs> right. So, God. so who Chuck did do, do we have this week? We've got a gentleman by the name of Chris. Now, Chris has a wealth of experience in law enforcement. Um, he's, uh, was a training officer. He, uh, was a firearms instructor, a SWAT operator. He's so, uh, he's got a lot of experience, uh, to bring in and, um, share some, probably some pretty heartfelt stories, uh, and has dealt with a lot of different things, um, during his time as a police officer. So, um, I know we'll get into that, um, and probably a little bit of, uh, some PTSD stuff as well which a lot of us most cops in my opinion even if they don't want to admit it have struggled with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. maybe it's not a disorder for them but they have struggled with some sort of post-traumatic yeah. stress because we all see a, a child get fucking smoked or you know a poor kid crossing the street gets hit in a traffic accident and those things mess with you it's all about how your glass is is it half empty or is it half full you for know sure. or is it the or is it overfilling like so <clears throat> it's I, most cops have, have struggled with it, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about um, the triumphs and struggles and tribulations today. Um, and uh, well, Chris, we'll uh, welcome strings. to the show, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm gonna I'm gonna baptize you with fire right now. I'm gonna ask you: Have you ever had a cop dream? A cop dream? Yeah, you know, like a dream. You got to do cop shit in your dream. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who has right? Exactly. So I'm going I'm to tell you guys right now, if you're a cop and you've had a cop dream, if you're a soldier, you had a soldier dream. If you're a Marine, you've had a Marine dream. If you had a, actually Marine dreams, they might be about crayons and all kinds of other shit. Right, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you've had a dream about some shit that you either did or may have to do in the line of duty when you're not on duty, guess what? That is by definition post-traumatic stress right it's not during the trauma it's post-trauma and when you wake up from that dream and your heart's beating a little fast you're stressed so case in point if chris here has had a cop dream chris here has experienced post-traumatic stress the disorder part is what chuck's referring to right yep so i i just i it i i find it odd when people kind of well i I don't have i'm not gonna have i don't have the problem with that i don't well then you're either a robot or you're you're not doing the job properly (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so anyway well uh chris why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into law enforcement what your experiences were uh like how long you were on and and kind of how you ended up where you are now yeah um after 9-11 I think it woke up a lot of stuff inside of us, you know, Mm -hmm. um, some more than others, but me, I wanted, I wanted to serve in some capacity. Uh, My oldest girl was only about two months old at the time. Sounds so familiar. My daughter was literally three months old when it happened. Yeah. So our, yeah, our kids are, might, might even be friends who knows in some capacity, but my um, daughter turns 21 in June. Nuts. Mine's July. Yeah, there you go. So getting close. <laughs> yep. So I went to the Marine recruiter and went through that, went through some testing. And it just came to 
be that it was not going to be conducive to be a PFC in the Marine Corps and have a little kid and a wife and try to make a living and move all over and try to make all that work. So my father-in-law, my wife's dad, obviously, was a lieutenant or retired from the sheriff's office. So as far as any lineage goes, that's as far as it goes as my father-in-law. But I uh, decided, heck, man, maybe I'll do that. Uh, my wife's boss, her husband was a sergeant at our local police department. So I did a couple ride-alongs with him. And the first time out at night, I was like, holy, shit, this is what I want to do. Hell yeah. yeah right. I'm all about this crap. Um, let's go catch some more people. I like it. So so let me ask um, you this then. What What yeah. is it about being out on that first ride-along at night? Like, what, what was it that, because I know what it was for me but I'm curious to know what it was that hooked you. It was, it was a little bit on the personal side. Cause that was my town, my hometown that right. I grew up in. And like, there's a little bit of mentality of, man, I can help clean up my own town mm-hmm. serve my own community. And plus it's freaking fun. Yeah. You know, it was a blast. Like it's cops. The and adrenaline Robert. was great. Hell yeah. It's shit that we played it as a kid. But now and, the stakes are legit. Yeah, the stakes are legit, but I get paid. <laughs> right. So wait, so like, you're hey, pay what? me to chase yeah. people and get in fights and carry a gun. Yeah. yeah. I, I, had a, I had a training officer say, You wouldn't do this job if they made you wear a polo shirt and drive a Camry. I'm a fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Hell no. But uh so I think a lot, you know, a lot of us has probably had a similar experience um at the beginning and my the company I was working for was downsizing and they were starting to lay off a lot of guys and I kind of volunteered to get laid off because I had a plan. That was my plan. That was my exit strategy. I was gonna do right. that no matter what. Um but I told my boss that hey if you can let me go and keep all these other guys that might be older and no Needs other options. The job, wants the job, a freaking yeah. job, give it to them. Yeah. I, you're not gonna hurt my feelings. So um, he came to me like the next day and said, Hey, you know, that thing you're talking about, I got to lay you off today. I'm like, all right, sweet. Bye. See you later. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I, I got everything in line and I started the Academy unaffiliated, you know, I cashed out my 401k so we can, we can live those 20 weeks or whatever it was. And Nick, let me ask you, where'd I, you go? Um, I went to Santa Rosa JC. Okay. Used to be at two rock. I heard two rock, the coast guard station. Yeah. And I was like the, I don't know, third or fourth class. They built a brand new campus, brand new, um, the indoor range and everything. So it was pretty cool. We had a, like a pretty new facility. I was a couple was, hours South of you at Allen Hancock. All right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty good experience. I don't, I mean, our Academy experience is pretty, pretty dull compared to the rest of it, but. It but was, you know what, uh, going fun. as a, going as an unsponsored, like you, you don't have a job, you're wearing yeah. the school patches, like you're wearing yep. a school badge. There's, it's almost like, um, you have to, you have to really prove yourself because those recruiters, those DIs, the, though they, they have the ears of all the chiefs and all the background investigators and all the, the local agencies. And if you're a piece of shit, if you're a lop, if you, or, or weak sauce and if yeah. you're a potato chip they're gonna know yep. so you have to really like it's, I, I remember the guys that had a job and they were they were sponsored by agencies and they it seemed like they didn't have the same maybe sense of urgency because they yep. had a job and i was exactly. like no motherfucker i gotta i gotta i gotta hump it yep you gotta be the cream of the crop when you're putting yourself through an academy when you're trying to market yourself for agencies yeah. yeah, exactly. And there, we had some soup sandwiches too, man. Oh, I mean, there was some, of, probably of like course, every yeah. class, but good Lord, it was. They, yeah. The guys that you know won't graduate, or if they do oh, graduate, they won't get a job. The first day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first day, like, yeah, he's not going to make it. Right. Right. That dude ain't going to make it. That guy might make it if he pulls his head out of his ass, but this other dude definitely ain't. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. You, you, they, that, well, at least back in the day, the program was really designed to weed you out quick. Yeah. 
quick, right, and in a hurry. Yep. You know, I've seen people who are supposed to have double tapped and been uh, kicked out because uh, someone had uh, ties with their father and the father knew someone high up in a department or in, their, in the department that was putting on the academy. He passed. I mean, really? And then they tried to get is him real. On. Yeah, and then they tried to get him out while he was on probation. And uh, they couldn't. They were basically told, leave him alone. Oh, no, no. <clears throat> he's a perpetual problem for yeah, political hire. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I was like, and I was like, I never thought that shit would be possible. Yeah. When true. I saw it and I was like, yeah. It's like, yeah. how'd you pass all the tests? How'd you pass post? Who knows? Dude, uh, so much on that. <laughs> so you put yourself through and did you get hired before you were graduating? Nope. Okay. Nope. Actually, um, the department I wanted, my hometown department didn't have an opening. Uh, and, but they were, one guy was looking at leaving. So they were, everything was kind of hinging on that guy leaving. So there would at least be a spot open. So I graduated academy unaffiliated and went, uh, went back to work kind of doing side jobs. I was uh, usually a welder by trade. And so I was doing some welding on the side and, just doing whatever I could to pay the bills. And, and then um, the spot came open and man, I was on it like white on rice, you know? So I started testing. I, and I was riding along when I, whenever I had a chance, I was doing ride alongs and so they knew my face. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Yeah. So they knew who I was and what I was about. And I worked and yeah, I, I scored number one on the oral and the rest is history there. I got hired on in December when I, I left. I graduated the academy in September, I think. Yeah. August, something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't too long. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it was a little nerve wracking, but just the testing, like, man, I just want to get this over with, you know? Right. And and still, you know, there's no guarantee. You start, you know, something comes up in your background or whatever. And you know, I kept my nose clean all my childhood. So, you know, I wasn't a great student, but I didn't go out and do a lot of stupid shit. Well, I didn't get caught in a lot of stupid shit. Well, but that's that the way. thing. You you still <laughs> worry, like, what are they, what are they going to find? What are they going to say? What are they going to yeah. think? Like anybody I, we've talked about. Didn't this. get caught. Right. <laughs> didn't get <Yeah>. caught. <laughs> oh, so I literally, I could tell, and I won't tell you who it was, but uh, I remember it was like three or four of us rookies that we all made it off FTO, but we're all still on probation and we were working a shift and uh, we all, you know, met up at a park at like three o'clock in the morning to have some coffee and, you know, we park our cars, you know, ask the fucking mouth and shit. Yeah. And uh, we were, so at some point in the conversation, somebody goes, so what did you lie about? Are your background? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and it was, it's just funny because like you go through that process and it's so it, it, it's not a it's not a fun process it, it, it's an awful uncomfortable really yeah. really invasive like, process yeah yeah bend over yeah. bend we're over. gonna check you out yeah using the whole hand doc <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god so so you get hired on a couple months later how long was fto for you uh gosh man, i want to say it was like eight weeks ten weeks something like that no um, it's pretty I quick didn't, i didn't get extended um, or anything like that. So it, it went pretty, pretty chill. I mean, I did normal rookie stuff. Um, that my FTO, one of them, love for me to handwrite. He must have loved my handwriting because I handwrite a lot of freaking reports, man. <laughs> like DUI crashes. Oh. He goes, until you get them down, Ooh. you're not typing. Like, that's old school. Shit. Yeah. That's wow. kind of old school. <laughs> he was definitely old school, but uh, it was fun. You know, had a lot of fun, had great teammates. We were really close, really small department. So, um, you know, we're, we all hung out together after work, you know, right. on days off, we were all hanging out. Our whole patrol team was, you know, drinking beer and barbecuing. Our kids' birthdays were all together. And, you know, so. Oh, you don't you know, really see that too much. No, you know, I, I know, uh, I, I still visit with, the, you know, some of my buddies that used to work there and, um, they've moved on to bigger departments and they said the very same thing. Like, you, man, we don't do that. We just don't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. 
It is a yeah. shame. And even in small departments like mine and yours, where they do do it, it's there's an element of like, watch yourself. You can't, you can't do it the same way you used to be. Like when I first came on, we would literally go after work to the, a, an alleyway or a cul-de-sac or a, the you know parking lot of a school. And we'd freaking each person, each, each of us would have a six pack, you know, or whatever it was, or we'd go to breakfast at, at McClintock's at seven in the morning after getting off of a graveyard at six 30 and everybody would be having their eggs and we'd be having like fucking cheeseburgers and margaritas yeah <laughs> you know? right. like why is this table of eight guys drunk as shit at you know right right well my, yeah. my friend the floor is yours so what is your story um not sure where to start but we'll start with uh after fto um kind of moved up being a small department kind of moved up fast and um, not so much in rank but in opportunities you know i i wanted to go to any school they wanted to send me to and wanted every opportunity that came up, I volunteered for it, uh, for the most part. And uh, SRO spot came up, so I took that. What a great job. Looking back on it now, I wish I'd have stayed there. <laughs> right. But it was uh, it was one of those jobs where you're like you're really pigeonholed, you know. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to be stuck with that job forever. Not to mention the freaking nicknames and the reputation oh, yeah. or the perception. Yeah. And I mean, we make, yeah. let's face it, we make fun of SROs on this show all the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's for like, those that don't know what an SRO is, what is that? A uh, school, school resource, resource officer. officer. Yeah. yeah. And, but it was a pretty like fun modern day. version of a dare officer. You, you just, if it, if it happens at the school, it's yours. Yep. It's mine. So, uh, we had, we kind of, our department had an arrangement where the SRO worked during the school year and then he worked in the detective bureau for the summer. Yeah. And I did not want to do that. I wanted to work patrol. So they kind of made an exception and went, well, okay, we're kind of short on patrol anyway. So have at it, kid. And because right. I love my patrol team, I just wanted to hang out with those guys and be with them, work with them, blah, blah, blah. And so, Anyway, um, moving along on a few years and our, um, our department is having, we had a little gang unit, um, uh, which was, I was part of, but it, we kept getting circulated back in patrol cause we were always shorthanded. Right. So our little, our little units are all part-timey kind of ragtag stuff. Like, Hey, our we SWAT. all have a night we can go work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or we're trying to arrange like a SWAT practice, you know, right. was really difficult. And we, we got together for our first SWAT practice and none of our uniforms matched. Like I'm wearing woodland. This guy down here is an all gray. This guy over here has got like chocolate chip cookie stuff from desert storm. Oh, and like, Oh my God, we look like the bad news bears. <laughs> it was just like, tracky colors on Lord. <laughs> fucking mighty ducks of SWAT. <laughs> yeah. It's like, guys, okay. The first thing we got to do is freaking get all matching shit here. Okay. <laughs> right. let's, let's try to do that. Let's all try to match. Um, but anyway, I digress from that. So our one night, our, our gang unit or gang unit was, it was a sergeant at the SRO at the time. And a couple other guys were doing like a little gang sweep on the South end of town. And we just got done with briefing. It was the South end. Yeah. It's always the South end. Why? Okay, I don't it's know. never the North end. We do, we, this is everybody that listens to this show knows it's always the South end. It's always the South end of town. Stay away from there. Yeah. But so we just started our, our shift just got done with briefing, went 10, eight and I'll bet you 20 minutes into it. Shots fired. Nice. So it's just absolute chaos on the radio. Uh, we do not have MDTs and we all head to the South. What's that? That's some cowboy shit right there. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah. That's old, that's old the, we didn't have MDTs till halfway through my career. Like I spent yeah. the first five or six years without an MDT. It was yeah. a radio in the car and a radio on your belt. That was it. Yep. Yep. I'm That's surprised it. we didn't still have call boxes. Right. <laughs> right. We probably did somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we probably did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Build a I worked with the cops. I worked things. with the cops. She said that she worked when she started, there was a fucking light on the top of the police station on a tower. And when the light was lit, you yeah. knew you had to call in. That's that's some old school shit there. That's yeah. really old school. Yeah. It's like right after smoke signals or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. But 
anyway, so we, we boogied down the south end of town and it was really confusing on the radio because everyone was screaming and it was like an active shooter type of thing. So we went on south of where our guys were at. Well, we ended up having the bad guy in between us and the guys that were there before us. Okay. So it was, we were down range of all the cops bullets. Oh, a little crossfire. So, no big deal. Yeah, it was great, man. It was, it was pretty sweet. So we got friendly bullets going over our head and, you know, busting out windows and dipping off the pavement and going in the air. And I just want to go on record as saying that any bullet going past my head is not friendly. Not friendly. I don't give a shit who no, shot no, it. Yeah. That's probably a bad choice of words. But <laughs> no, I just, yeah, I yeah. laugh because they always call it friendly fire. Yeah, I'm like, that's, yeah. if it's coming at me, it's not fucking friendly. No, <laughs> not very friendly at all. No. And, uh, Anyway, we're we took some cover and it was bad guy was actively shooting and we were downrange of our guys, which wasn't cool. And ended up the, the bad guy was wounded. And we were gonna do kind of a, a quasi rescue. We're gonna try to um, gain some ground on them and get mm-hmm. closer to them. And see what was up. So we, my sergeant drove the patrol car, and me and another guy were using it as cover. Mm-hmm. And we had at the time we had H and K thirty threes. You know that they're full auto two twenty three, big, heavy, yeah. very well built bastards, but really heavy. Yeah. Uh, no, no lights on or any of that fancy shit. <laughs> Just a chunk of iron that shot bullets. Yeah, and I mean reliably shot bullets, but reliably shot bullets. Right. Um, <laughs> Which, ironically, that, but I'll tell you here in a couple minutes. But anyway, we get up on. We had a shot. Like he was laying down, and I think he was still actively either pointing or shooting. I can't remember. And I had a shot at his grape. Me and the other guy, me and my patrol partner, did too. And I was like, "Should I shoot?" I go, "I let's not shoot. We don't even know where our guys are at. You know, if we miss and hit one of our guys, it's going to be really shitty. Right. So let's hold off." So it seemed to me like he was wounded enough. He's not fighting. He's kind of writhing around on the ground. Anyway, we get up to him. We kick the gun away, hook him up. Um, Dude ends up, we transport him to the hospital. Um, We do some first aid there. He goes to the hospital, ends up dying, bleeds out. He's a Serenio gang member. He's a total piece of shit. And he couldn't have didn't deserve any better than that. And, but you know the problem with killing one Serenio, now you got to deal with all the other ones. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I get back in the car. My rifle's out of battery. Oh fuck! The bolts back just enough; it wouldn't have fired anyway. So thank God we didn't have to get in some, you know, life hellacious gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there is no forward been. assist on that. No HK. forward assist, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly, and I'm. I'm happy we went to ARs after that, but um, great battle rifle, but that's what it's for. It's for the freaking battlefield. It's not a great tactical rifle, I don't think. Right. Um, that's a different discussion. Yeah, the damn thing was out of battery. I've never, ever had an issue with one of those rifles. Because, you know, you slam that bolt for it. There's like yeah. freaking 10 pounds going forward on yeah. that thing. And to have it like out a of Chevy battery. Chevy truck spring really... fucking pushing it forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to get your finger in there. You do. Get grandson, uh, yeah. You know what's funny? <clears throat> there are some agencies, some big agencies that utilize patrol rifles, uh, the M16s from Vietnam, right? Mm. And half of them that they'll give out to their uh, their students are, you know, um, the officers and, going through qual and stuff. No, 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 no. For patrol for the field, like going through the school and then that's your rifle, mm. right? We'll have the Ford Assist, and it'll be like a an older version of the the M sixteen, uh, yeah, the A one or the A two or something. Yeah, but it's like old school, like the triangle fucking metal grips on yeah. the front, and yeah. with the little tiny holes that are all metal. And then so you have that, no Picatinny, nothing cool, nothing like you know newer age or nothing like that. And then the other half will get what looks to be the same, but no Ford Assist. And then you're going through the oh, school, sure. and then um, luckily our when I. Um, when uh, 
well, officers went through the school. Um, they had all of the uh, the Ford assists and then come yeah. back to patrol. And another group goes, come back, no Ford assists. And you're like, hey, what the fuck are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. like, your boat don't go forward and you have to jam it. Like how they teach you, because that's one of the, the, the things when you're going through yeah, and you have fall. to show manipulation. Yeah. It's like a failure like, drill. Oh, we have to simulate it. I'm like, what? <laughs> like yeah we simulate hitting it i'm like so you're building muscle memory on a weapon system that doesn't even have what you need to hit so oh, you go for it, it's like uh, doing it to the air and then you go oh, shit. what is that and then, like if you if you control it the red you have to re-rack it eject wow. the live round hopefully it goes forward if it doesn't i don't know fucking bang it on the ground i, I don't yeah know. but oh, it was funny shit. i just thought that that could segue into to what you're going to talk about and oh yeah, yeah sure who have money who just yeah. don't give a fuck Right. No, and, and that's the thing, like yeah. that that's that's what it comes down to like priorities like i can tell you tons of agencies where they'll buy a new admin car but the fucking rifles like our our agency had government issue a1s and a2s with the round you know that round ribbed forend the, that was made of plastic so it was the, yeah. the forend that came out right after the triangular vietnam guard and we all had yeah. forward assists Thank God, but yeah. iron sights, plastic forend, like I, I swear yeah. to God, my patrol rifle smelled like Charlie. It it was yeah. <laughs> mine was mine was used in Vietnam. I fucking I swear to God. It came yeah. to the it was yeah. fucking used no, there. No removable carry handle. Yeah, you oh, couldn't God. put optics no. on it without the adapter. Yeah. Right. Dude, it it, yeah. it made the made the freaking sight like two inches higher than <laughs> Yeah. <the> like, <laughs> looking over a wall. Oh my God! Patrols are ready. That's fun stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this um, dude dies, and uh, better for the world, more oxygen for the rest of us. And well, all these fuckers, all these Dodger fans. If you know Serenios, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Dodgers, man. Love Dodgers, and uh, so they start coming out of the woodwork and showing up at the hospital, wanting freaking. Wanting their pound of flesh, right? Really? At the hospital? At the hospital. Oh, shit. That's so ballsy as fuck, dude. Fucking oh ballsy as shit, right? And there's two of us sitting out front <laughs> of the hospital, right? And, and another two on patrol, and that's it. Yeah. So <laughs> we we had sheriff's office come with anything they had, so they brought us a canine guy, which was better than nothing. You know, most yeah. people yeah. freaking back down from dogs. So, um, So these fuckers are like yelling at us come on let's go get our guns let's come back like oh this is it man this is going to be the alamo we're fucked and um luckily it was all talk but all night was like that the rest whole rest of shift was that shit they'd go in they started stealing beer because they wanted to freaking um you know my my sergeant's like don't we're not going we're not chasing after any of these fuckers because they're probably going to ambushes you know right yeah so we're not we're not playing their game if they're gonna go in and steal beer fuck it we're not we're not steal dealing some with beer. it steal some report. Beer. Fuck it. Yep. um so that was a good call on his part i think and anyway we dealt with those little bastards you know like my good uh partner on my patrol team um he had some of those guys across the street from his house you know sitting in a car like yeah. constantly and he'd go out in front of him it's like get the fuck out what the fuck are you doing oh right. this is a public street you know, i don't give a shit get the fuck out of here right. you know you don't you don't shit where you sleep man don't be coming to my house so and that, that took a toll on him you know he that's rough you know having a freaking bunch of gang members outside your house and oh, yeah. you know they knew where we all lived you know it wasn't a mystery right. so we it was really hard to separate in that small town. It was really hard to separate from anything. Um, even, you know, going out to restaurants, shit like that. But you guys know all that stuff. That's the hard but, part about working a small agency. And that's why I chose to live 35 miles away from the city. And it, for you, I'm, I'm sure it was tough. Cause that's like, for me, I grew up in LA. My dad was LAPD, mm-hmm. but he asked me not to go to LAPD. So I didn't. Yeah. And I went to an, a smaller agency up in the, the central coast of California. And so I, I wasn't emotionally connected to the town. I didn't grow up there. They just hired me to be a cop. Yeah. And so I, like a lot of LA cops, 
they work in the South end, but they live in Santa Clarita. They work in, you know, the, the East LA, but they live in Simi Valley. Like it's just, you don't shit where you eat period in the story. So for me, I, it was, it was a no brainer. It was, I will work in city a and live in city C and city B will be 35 miles in between the two. Yeah, and then I, yeah. I I would I wouldn't have to worry about that shit at the grocery store. Yeah, but for you, did you want to stay in and live in the town you grew up in? Was that like a um, no? This is my town. I'm not moving. Or did well, you give a shit? yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that, but you know what? Yeah, we owned a house, and my wife's family's there. My wife, everything. My my wife has never moved anywhere. You know, I've hopped around a little bit, but that was right. my hometown, and so moving for her was like a really big would have been a big deal. Yeah. And, and if and mom I ain't get, happy, ain't nobody happy. Hey, you got that right. <laughs> you got that right. Um, but I mean, she's a, she's a trooper. She's very, very strong woman and I love her very much. And we just decided to kind of stay put and just make it work. I guess it was kind of a little bit of naivety too, you know, and um, like, where do we go? Where are we supposed right. to go? And right. I mean, it's and not this like is just where we live. So why move? Yeah. Right. It's just where we live. This is home. Did you run into, did you run into people you've arrested at the grocery store or that kind oh, of thing? Oh God. Yeah. They're cooking your food. Like, Oh, oh. no, thanks. We're, <clears throat> we're going somewhere else. Thank you. Yeah. My buddy lived in the city that he, that he worked in. Yeah. Um, and uh, even me living well outside the city I worked in or work in still, um, I still ran into people and would often arrest people and be like, Oh shit, they're up near where I'm at. Oh fuck. And, um, you know, my buddy, he was coming home one night, um, in his police vehicle, but it was all unmarked and shit. And he took off any type of like gear that he had on that would say, I'm the Popo, unless you know what his pants and boots look like. So went shopping at his local Vons real quick because his, his wife needed some stuff. So he's like, that's on the way home. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to go and grab a few things and then I'm going to go home. Well, got recognized by an asshole that he had arrested multiple times. Ends mm. up getting into a full-blown use of force in the parking lot. Oh, shit. With nothing. No tools, nothing. Groceries nothing. in hand. And I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, he, it was a help call. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Suspect, unfortunately, you know, subsequently went, oh, not unfortunately, but subsequently went right. to the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, darn. <laughs> darn. Oh, yeah. and, and I'm like, damn, dude, like, you, you need to move. And he's like, nope, this is my home. I'm going to protect yeah. it. I'm like, all right, dude, that's, that's well, on you. So, that's yeah. up to you. But it's, I, I get it where, where he's coming from. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Scary as shit. But if I was able to work in my hometown, I would probably live in it too because I had that connection to it. And I yeah. would want, that to protect it and I would have that sense of of um honor to to be yeah. there and to ownership. Always, the ownership of it. Yeah. yeah. So I 100 percent I I get it. I get it yeah, too. Yeah. And I, I I there but I'll say this my my old man uh would talk about stories about you know guys that would get into you know uses of force in, in the same neighborhoods where they lived and patrolled same thing. But he also talked about at that time there was a there and we've we just talked about this recently which is you know there was a code right if you were in the game cops robbers okay it's fair game but you don't follow people home you don't bring their family into it and you know that was an era where if you mentioned or even briefly hinted that you were even thinking about an officer's wife or kids or whether or not he even had a wife or kids because cops did not wear wedding rings just for that very reason then they were going to pull you into a dark alley pull the freaking throw down from their ankle, shove it up your nose and say, if you ever mention my family again, nobody will ever find you. Yeah. And that was it. Like that was yep. how it was handled. So you didn't go after people's family. So your guy lives in the town, dumps the dude, dude dies at the hospital. There's serenios everywhere. And they're sitting in front of his house. I can only imagine yep. what that would do to him. Yeah. Yeah. It took a, took a, took a toll on him, you know, for sure. I mean, as a catalyst, for sure, without right. a doubt, and it's, it's, it would be for anybody. Spark. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. and it was um, it was a rough go. Like that whole summer was kind of crazy. 
And that was 2000, like April, I think 2007 when that happened. And then I think in 2007, our department, I think over half the patrol guys pulled their guns and or fired their weapons in self-defense. No shit. Yeah. It wasn't all um, bad guy dies, but um, there was a couple, that was a crazy year, man. I don't know what it was. And I'm in the water. In the water. I don't, I don't know. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) It's a hell of a drug. You know, it always happens like that. Yeah, it kind of kind of coming close, and yeah. I think part of that is is that mass psychosis kind of philosophy of one per, one person breaks the seal, like one bad guy breaks the seal by shooting at cops, and I think mm. it almost gets the ball rolling for other bad guys going, oh, yeah, we're, we're it's 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 time for us to shoot at cops now. I could yeah. do that. Like it, it it's almost like like I said, breaking the seal. One guy does it, everybody's like, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. For, I don't know. Yeah. Opens Pandora's box or something. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And then that same year, that December, I get into one and that was pretty nuts too. It was a domestic. Um, I had a, I had a trainee that just got off training. It was like his first shift without me. Right. And he was all done. Um, he, he pinched some kid, um, or had some kid detained on the South end of town again. Right. And, yeah. and we knew he was on probation, but they couldn't find anything in the computer, but we all had hard copies. We had files and dispatch right. from probation. So it was like wrong middle initial or some stupid shit that some data yeah. entry clerk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, or, or use the zero instead of an O. Right. Exactly. Bullshit. So, uh, me and my sergeant, we went back to the PD trying to find this file. And then our fourth guy on our patrol team was just has somebody at jail. Um, you know, he had a 1015 like right off the bat. Um, he was a meat eater, so it was like 701. This dude's gonna be 1015 with somebody, you know, right off the bat. Anyway, he was at jail. And we uh so we're looking through the files and we uh found it. And we're just sitting there in dispatch, you know, we're like standing right next to the dispatcher. That's how small we are. Right. And Been there, well, they're on a call. Uh, dispatch got a 911 on and she looks at me. She's a very experienced dispatcher. So when you see a look of, um, oh shit, a, oh shit on a dispatcher, <laughs> it's an oh shit for sure. It's a legit yeah. oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, Hey, you guys start heading north. Um, gave us the address for a 415 domestic. All right. Please, me and Sergeant started rolling down that way. And I had a cadet with me, or yeah, cadet with me. It was Uh-oh. like 13 or 14, <laughs> right? Uh oh. Jesus. So um, he's in his little light blue uniform, you know? <laughs> and <clears throat> so we, we roll up and we park. You know, you never park in front of the house, right? We, right. we all know that. We parked like even extra far for some reason and get out. We start walking. It's raining and we don't hear anything, man. It's freaking quiet. Um, and then we get to the house and it looked like someone, it looked like the SWAT team had already been there. No, nope. like the freaking windows were broke out. Oh, the door was beat to shit. And we're like, where the fuck is, where the fuck is this guy? <clears throat> so we hear pounding on the back door. And uh, had this rinky-dink chain-link fence that was like seven foot tall. And me and the sergeant, we're Smurfs. We're like, yeah, we're not going to climb this rickety <laughs> thing and fall on our ass or something, get hung up in yeah, it. Nope. So <laughs> we decided to go to the front door. Pound on the front door, police department, and uh, a female occupant inside. She, she goes, oh, is it the police? Yep. She lets us in. He's at the back door. So we go through the kitchen. Or go through the living room, go through the kitchen. It's not a real big place. And the they had they had like the neighbor over and they're all drinking and dicking around, whatever. Well, this guy was every bit of six foot something, and he was the neighbor. He was the good one of the good guys. Okay. He was trying to hold the back door closed. Like someone's trying to get in from the outside. Uh, and he's holding the door closed. Uh-oh. And he's Who in his socks on a yeah, he's He's in his socks on a linoleum floor sliding around, right? Trying to hold this door closed. Well, 
I look and there's a freaking barrel of a shotgun going through the hole where the doorknob used to be. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's like, yep, I think I'm I know how this go. is going to end. This thing's going to get good. And we told him to move out of the way. So he moves out of the way. Shotgun barrel pulls through the, the doorknob hole. Dude kicks the door open, levels shotgun at me. I level rifle at him and he didn't win. Right. So, well, thank I God. Thought, thank God you, he didn't, he didn't win. Yeah. And you're alive to tell the story. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck. Well, he would have, he would have, actually, beats reaction, man. He didn't know yeah. you guys were waiting ready. Like, no. yeah. No. And he was like, a, his BAC came back at like two, two or Seven. something like that. <laughs> it was just, he was trash. They were all drinking and they got in a fight. And, but he left and, this is like the after story, but he left and brought a shotgun back with him and tried to get in the house. But anyway, so anyway, dude's obviously he was dead before he hit the floor. Right. And, you know, I, I gave him seven rounds from an AR and my sergeant gave him five rounds from a 40 Glock. Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't go too measure. far. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it all happened like as it was one a, does <laughs> instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that started like a chain of events for me um, on top of all the other crap that we get to see as cops. Right. Sure. Um, dead kids and bullshit. And you name it. And, uh, you know, fill in the blank. So we we did the typical, you know, which we all went to the shrink. Right. Like two days after that shrinks, like, how you doing? Hey, fuck. I'm great. I was in a gunfight. I won. And here I am cloud right. nine. Right. Well, that's all well and good, but, but the shit needs to keep happening. Right. Look, looking back on it now, obviously 2020 hindsight, um, that stuff needs to, to be continuous. It should be part of training. Like, a right. Abs- I mean, if you have to go to, um, evoc, even though you drive a car every freaking day, yep, you should have to go to some kind of training, mandatory. Mandatory. Everybody you does it, it every yeah. time, no matter absolutely. what. There's no stigma. Absolutely. Yeah. If everyone has to do it, you're absolutely right. And you're talking about going to a psychologist at least like once a year or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah, at least or once it, a year. At least, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially and when you should... look at the statistical data about how. Once an officer has been involved in a shooting, he's 60 to 70% more likely to get involved in a second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and then like your guy eight times. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that guy's yeah. on a roll. And, and my theory and listeners to the show will know this. My theory is that once you've tasted the edge of the line, once you've looked over the abyss and seen how deep it goes and you realize how quickly you end up on the edge, teetering over the abyss of death yep. and going, holy shit, I almost died. Yep. You will never let it get that close again. And yep. every time that it happens, every time you face that kind of a situation, you move the goalposts back because every time you're like, oh, that was still too close to the fucking edge. I'm yeah. not going there again. Right. That's my thing. That, and you yeah. learn policy very very well like the very back of your well. hand because there's people out there that oh, will go their whole yeah. career without being involved in the ois or um a nasty mm-hmm. nasty nasty use of force mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they don't know it's, it's not because they're you know whatever they, they can't handle it but it's because a lot of them a lot of a lot of cops out there that don't remember the policy and they don't stay up to date on it and that's yeah. a very dangerous thing to do and and because that's going to get you hurt or your partner hurt I can't tell you how many new police officers would get asked in roll call a year after they got off probation, two years after they got off probation, something that they would have known while on probation, but because they're off probation, they get lax and they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't really, whatever this is BS. And you ask them a simple, what's the pursuit policy? What's the shooting policy? What's the use of force policy? And they're like, uh, and they start kind of trying to do it and they're trying to get there, but they can't and they, yeah. and they don't go all the way. And you're like, look, dude, like X, Y, and Z, this is what it is. Now you're going to go and learn it. You're going to print the fucking policy out. And now yeah. you're going to remember it, remember it. And every day this week and next week, when I call on you, you will give the roll call um, 
for that policy and you are going to know it and you're not going to be using the, the, the sheet. You're going to be going off of memory. So you better know it. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And that allows cops, oh. these coppers to, to retain this shit. And when you have a good watch commander, who's constantly doing that, it fucking makes for a stronger officer. And when you have an yeah. officer who's been involved in an OIS or a really bad critical incident, they have to know that policy when they're going into to the, um, to talk with the lawyers in the department and in the shooting investigation people, yeah. they have to know it. And then they never forget it because it's ingrained in them because especially in shootings, it gets ingrained in you because you're like almost fucking died. That shit was yeah. crazy. And you learn that policy like that. And I believe what you were saying, Tom, as well as now, you know, that policy. Now, you know, without mm-hmm. a doubt, where, mm-hmm. that's where the line's yeah. fucking drawn in the yep. sand. And I'm not letting it go any farther because that puts yeah. me and the public at risk. As well as all my partners. I'll say for cops who haven't been involved in critical incidents that required or, or or put them exposed to uh, disciplinary action and or legal action, civil, criminal, whatever. uh, I will, I'm going to invent a term here. I'll call it for now. The the Gandhi's uh, or Tom's use of force inversion policy phenomenon. The less likely you are to need that policy, the less likely you are to know it. The less likely you are to know it, the more likely it is to fuck you when you violate it. So you're not going to not a lot of cops are going to get involved in shootings, but that fucking policy better be burned into your goddamn brain. Same thing with the pursuit policy. Those policies, if you don't know them backwards and forwards, the less you know them, the harder they're going to fuck you for not knowing it. Yep. Yeah. And the cops who have been involved in more and more things, the, the fights, the complaints, the shootings, yep. the, all that yep. shit where you look at their background, you look at their packet and you're like, fuck, that's a risk management yeah. issue. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, maybe, but no, those are the motherfuckers that you should be turning to for leadership because they have gone through it all. They've been through the yeah. ringer. They're the or ones who are going to be the good. Should. Leaders. Those, yeah. those are the ones like in the military, you look to the senior leadership where you're like, okay, this dude has been through the shit. I'm turning to him because he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And there's far too many agencies nowadays that are like, no, that person's been involved too much. That's a risk management. They're going to stay over here. They're not, we don't want them out here. Like, no, like they're not a risk management issue. They've been through the shit. It only becomes risk management issue when they're dealing with demons and they bring that shit to work and they're not seeking help for it. And that's a slippery slope. But at the same time, I've known some badass cops that fucking rise the ranks and they have been through the shit. They've been through some Mm -hmm. nasty stuff. And they've yeah. dealt with it personally on their own and have gone through their shit, but they were mm-hmm. able to um, compartmentalize it in a good way where they were getting yeah. the help that they needed for their mental mental side, because it does take a toll on you. But those are far too many. They get segregated and they get labeled as fucking problem risk management children. issues or problem yeah. children. And that actually yeah. pushes them over that hill yep. even farther. And yep. yeah. we have far too many police suicides that could probably be some of them could be prevented with simple changing of the rules of of that stuff and not labeling people and not making them the black sheep of their agency or the department or the division or wherever the fuck they're at. You know what I mean? How did yours go for you? Um, it was, it was mixed. I think, um, I don't, I just don't think the department was quite, um, up to speed on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, we've had a couple, in our department prior to that. So it wasn't a huge surprise, but I just don't think they had all the ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said before, um, a guy should not, if there's, I know there's a lot of people listening, but if you're in that spot, um, don't think that your department or workman's comp, or any of these things are going to come rescue you because it's not going to happen. Mm-mm. It's definitely not going to happen. Um, you are on your own until proven. Oh, otherwise. fuck. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, really very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, workman's comp, especially they're, you know, oh. they're an insurance company. They right. are not, they are in it to write the least amount of checks that they possibly can. Right. And yes. if you fall by the wayside, you do. It doesn't matter to them. You're just a liability. And, you know, we're, uh, we have to treat everyone else like human beings, right? We have to judge every situation as it comes and we're trained to do that and be empathetic. And, and then when you get in a situation where you're broken, 
literally broken, whether it be a physical injury or a mental injury. Um, it, um, it's so easy to get tossed by the wayside workman's yeah. comp, you know, like they, they sent me to a shrink. Yeah. Here, you're going to go to our shrink. Great. Yeah. I, I just want to feel better and not be crazy and not have nightmares and not, um, go through all this shit. That's all I but want. How do you trust a shrink that works for the agency that's trying to fuck you? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You just don't. <laughs> exactly. So there's, I mean, we've had this, like, I, I, we, we, as we're, as we're closing up, I know we're running out of time, but I will I'll bring up a, a friend of mine who's been on the show. He was in a shooting. He had, had 18 months or, or, or anyway, he was in a shooting about 18 months or a year after I was, and he had to shoot an ex cop and kill him. Yeah. And, uh, he was probably all of 22, maybe 23 yeah. when he did it. And he had maybe a year or two on the job. Um, and this, this kid, like he wanted to, to make like, it was fine. Like he wanted to be cool with it. He wanted to be okay with it. And he was doing all the right things that you're supposed to do. Well, the department sent him to a shrink and I shit you not. He sat with this shrink and he talked about it on the episode. We discussed it. Uh, about and she said so how do you feel about killing him and he said well it was him or me and he was trying to kill me so i had to kill him and she Mm -hmm. says so is that what you tell yourself to help you sleep at night and that last sentence like everything leading up to that point where she's like okay how do you feel about it how do you you i understand that but then that when the commentary comes in of that snarky little fucking shrink dig, we're like, oh, is that what you tell yourself at night to help you sleep? Implying yeah. that it's all bullshit just to assuage your guilty conscience for fucking killing somebody. Yeah. Like that, if you didn't have a guilty conscience about it, if you did feel okay about it, if you really did understand that you were doing the Lord's work, that is instantly going to stick that fucking popcorn kernel in your teeth and you're going to go to bed at night thinking, wait. The fucking police shrink said that. Yeah. Now, what are they telling my bosses? What does she think? What's she writing down? Now you're becoming suspicious. What, what, what did you just write? What did you just write on your notes? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Going crazy. Yeah. And far too many, far too many officers um, don't get the proper help that they need. Right. Even yeah. when sent to a, to a, to a, to a yeah. psychologist. And then, and it's i'll tell you what that happened to me too the the psychologist that i went to and he was a good psychologist he was a police psychologist i asked to go to him because he was a specialist on officer involved shootings and the um the best way i can put it is it as succinctly as possible when he asked me how i felt about it i'm like he's he tried to kill us he was you know and he's dead and we're not that's that's the bottom line he goes exactly right he was a fucking scorpion and and you guys did what you were supposed to do and if you think or if you feel bad about it or if you have any you're just being a little bitch and i'm like wait what <laughs> like, are you supposed to say that like i wow. get it like he I, maybe he's trying to be like but all those little comments those little asides yeah. from civilians they get they they do they make an impression we think about them we may not think about them right there at the time but yeah. six months later a year later two years later that yeah. fucking voice comes up in the dark of your freaking bedroom when all the lights are off mm-hmm. and you're trying to go to sleep and you're like wait a minute did i have to shoot him did i did i want to did i enjoy yeah. like and you questioning were fine that. With it. Yeah. yeah exactly so yep. questioning everything you ever done going back to the cop dream my consistent cop dream through all that was going to court over it oh. and standing in front of a jury. That was my constant, at least once a week, cop dream. Same thing. Stand in front of a jury, getting a guilty verdict yep. for what I And did. they don't stop. If it, I, I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I just had one a week ago. Like, yeah. I've been retired for almost 10 years. And I just had, like, the dream was somebody showed up at my house here where I live now from my department wow. said, hey, you are missing one day. You're short one shift for your medical retirement. So you have to go back and strap on your uniform and go and work a shift, one more shift or everything goes away and you have to pay. I'm like, what are you fucking kidding? And so I remember in the dream, you're putting on the bulletproof. You you haven't done this job in 10 years, but I was putting on the bulletproof vest and going out and I got in a shooting and all like, it doesn't go away. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Absolutely. Right. So. Yeah. I still get the screams yeah. from the, uh, from the, the person um, that was yeah. the bystander in my ear, the blood curdling mm-hmm. scream after we got into a shooting and uh, that shit wakes you up. And then you think yeah. people are in your fucking house and you're like, oh, this oh. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, that's the thing that, 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 that slight 30 seconds or it could be 10 to, it could be as long as a minute sometimes, but it's that twilight sleep where you can't figure out, you literally can't figure out if what you just experienced really did happen or if it, or if are you waking up from a dream or are you waking up from the next day of what actually just happened to you? And that it's, yeah. 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 It's wild. It is crazy. And it never goes away. Never will. No, no, you're hundred percent right. And, and something my, uh, my workman's comp shrink said to me was, so do you want to go back to work or do you just want their money? What? So he, yeah. That's what he said to me. See, see, that's the fucking little that's thing they bullshit. say yeah. where you're like, well, wait a minute. Is that a fucking fuck you? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And you're like, right. you know, I want to go back to work. And they're like, no, you, no. Yeah. So I, well, it was, uh, it was small and subtle when he said it at the time, but it, it freaking, it was like a knife in my spine forever, you know? And, yeah. And you still like, even today you kind of think like, man, just, I mean, people probably, I'm sure there's a few guys that probably think that, you know, like, yeah. oh yeah, he's enjoying his fucking retirement. Like, yeah, you can, you can walk in my shoes anytime you want. Yeah. Anytime you, know? you want. <laughs> you can have all I my, I spent the last 10 want. years trying to figure out <laughs> what I wanted to do that wasn't being a cop because all I wanted to do was be a cop. And so now then yeah. I'm going to helicopter pilot school. Fuck it. But um, yeah. So um, we always let our listeners dedicate their episodes uh, to uh, fallen brother or sister of their choice. But I think you have a good one this, this week. Mm-hmm. So, so please, uh, who would you like to dedicate your episode to? And, it, and um, I love this because we're starting to get kind of Chuck, we're getting out of the box like answers. Yeah. And, and this is great. another one. I like it. Um, my, the people that are listening out there right now, they're probably sitting in their patrol car wondering um, why their whole freaking world is spiraling around them. And, why they're why they think they're fucked up um you're not i'm not going to say that you're not fucked up dude or girl um because you are to a certain extent but you're not unfixable right Mm -hmm. and but know this you have to self-rescue right you have to if you're on that island and no one's around help you what are you going to do you're going to sit there and hope that someone comes out of the blue and rescues you and and takes you to safety it's not going to happen you have to be prepared and you have to save yourself start swimming build a raft get out there at least do something you cannot sit there like a bump on a log i did that i sat there thinking that workman's comp is going to be okay they're going to save me my department's going to save me Uh, my friends are all going to save my friends were there for me i'm not saying they weren't um you know who those people are and if you're listening and you know someone that's having struggles, reach out to them, help them out, call them. Because that's one thing for me that was hard was there's a stigma. Like that dude is freaking toxic waste, man. I don't want to touch that yeah. guy with a 10 foot pole because right. I don't want to get leper. wrapped up in this shit. Yeah. He's a leper. So um, reach out to that. If you care about that person, reach out to him. He's one, of, even if, but if, even if you don't like him, he's one of your brothers or sisters, help him out or her out. If you're sitting in your car right now and you don't know what to do, there's hope out there, you, but you have to go track it down. You have to put in the work. You absolutely have to put in the work. So it, that's, to use your island analogy, you can either die a long, slow, solo death on the island because you didn't do shit. Yep. Or you can fucking build that raft, head out to sea, and either live to tell the tale or die a fucking hero's death trying to rescue yourself. And it'll yeah. be a quick, valiant fucking, you, you just be gone. Like you won't have to suffer this long insidious, just yeah. nasty fucking wasting away. No. And, 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 and taking your, taking your life is not, not the answer. That's yeah. not going to, that just fucks up everyone else. Yeah, it takes your pain you know and I mean? puts it on them. Yeah. Come on, man. Don't let somebody else carry your baggage for you. Um, there's permanently, I mean, like I'm all about helping my brother hump his rock, you know what I mean? Um, but I, we can't do it forever. 
You have to, you know at some point, you have yeah. to haul it back, right? I'll say this. Any cop who goes to the gym knows sometimes you need a spotter. Yep, absolutely. The spotter's not doing the workout for you. The spotter's just there to make sure that it's not more than you can handle. Yeah. So yeah. everybody, go get yourself a mental spotter, an emotional yeah. spotter. And I, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on both what you said because that's a fucking amazing amazing dedication but <clears throat> you need to talk to someone and be heard and grab someone talk to him grab a buddy like hey this is what i'm going through and yeah. for all those people out there you know people that are struggling all you need to do is sit there and listen you just yeah. need to listen to them yep. just need to be there for them and listen to them and that will help yep. tremendously and then there are so many programs out there and if you if you guys um message into us you know, through an email, you can go mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, the war stories mailbag email. You can go to the booking email. You can go to our Facebook or Instagram page, you know, the link in the bio, it's all there. And you can message and be like, Hey, I need, I need some help or a family member. We've had a family members reach out. Hey, do you, do you know yeah. anybody? We've Let had civilians with civilian yeah. family members yeah. who are not veterans. They're not in law enforcement. They're like, Hey, you guys know about PTSD. And I'm afraid my brother is really suffering. How do I help? And we're going to actually figure out how to address that. Cause we, that is a big thing. Yeah. yeah. And we, we have spoken with people on the show that mm -hmm. have treatment programs, civilian and police, first responders, firefighters, paramedics, cops, military guys. Like, so there are a lot of programs out there. You, you can find a program and go get help. You can talk to someone, mm -hmm. but you, you got to make the steps for yourself Don't and family members you. and friends. Yeah. You need to check in on them. Like, Hey, are you okay? And talk to yeah. them and just listen to them. And that's it. Yeah. That's that buddy. Check. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, as we're closing out, I want to uh, mention a couple of things. Um, one, you guys can always reach out to us, like Chuck said. Uh, two, uh, we still have, because let's face it, folks, uh, helicopter pilot school is not cheap. And I don't want to have to take out student loans. So I started a GoFundMe to help assist. I I'm paying for most of it out of pocket. But if anybody wants to, to help me change careers, because basically I discovered that the corporate world post law enforcement is not for me. Uh, it's just not, and, and I need to do something meaningful again. And my yeah. wife gave me the fuck go ahead at this point in my life. And she said, if not, if you're not going to do it now, I mean, when are you going to do it? And she's yeah. right. Like I, I, I need to be just as valiant and brave in taking on a new career as I was going through becoming a cop and then going through retiring from being a cop. And so, so we, we, I, I, our listeners said, Hey, that's Matt said, Hey, Marcos and Chuck said, Hey, Start a GoFundMe. So there is a GoFundMe up. You can find the link on our War Stories page. Uh, that will help contribute. If if every one of our listeners sacrificed a Starbucks and donated, I'd be like halfway there. So uh, that that's up if you want to go there. Uh, they, you can also support the podcast directly by uh, going onto our website, buying T-shirts, and buying uh, the Whoopie hoodie, which we we still have uh, we still have some left in in very specific sizes. So. Like you got to check depending on what size you are. We did buy the bulk of them in large and extra large. So we still, I believe have some of those sizes. Left. Have, but if you're a. Yeah, we have some two uh, X. We have very limited supply on mediums and three X. We have some two mm -hmm. uh, X extra large and large. And those are the majority of what it, what it's in. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, so you can support the podcast that way. And I also wanted to give a shout out to uh watch through apparel because watch through apparel is uh Southern California copper who did a lifestyle brand based on his experience as a Southern California copper. And uh, they're doing a lot of our shirts for us now. So we want to give them a shout out, uh, check them out, watch the apparel. They've got, they've got cool shit. Uh, we're going to have at some point uh, have some designs to show you guys and share with you guys. We're working on a new design that we're going to be teasing here coming up soon for a new sticker for our uh, salty veterans. And I'll say that it, it's aptly named for that sticker. Uh, and then if you guys always want to reach out to us, you can, you always can through the normal channels. And let me, let me piggyback on that um, yeah. real quick for the salty veterans out there that haven't received um, their, their package, please email booking.warstories at gmail.com. Let me know. I'm going to develop a list and then um, we're going to create a tab onto the website. That way, once you uh, pay for your salty veteran, you just, we're, we're going to work something out to where you can go in there and it'll get uh, auto-generated as an order. Right. And then they, we are working on a sticker pack 
only for the salty veterans. And it's, it's because we've kind of failed a little bit at it, but we want to make it right. So there is going to be a badass sticker pack with mm-hmm. only limited edition available stickers for the salty veterans. And mm-hmm. uh, you can get the website. At, it's the Wix website. It's um, warstoriesofficial.com. Yeah, you can go to our Facebook, Instagram. Please share and and, uh, and all that stuff and, and follow us on there and subscribe to that. Uh, but the link in the bio, it's the Insta bio. Uh, so click on that link. It has a link to our Instagram, all of our socials, Facebook, uh, YouTube, website. Um, it will have the Watch 3 Apparel um, link on there as well. And if you go to Watch 3 Apparel, you check out their gear and you're like, oh, hey, I heard there's a discount. It's War Stories. So mm-hmm. type that in. When you go to order gear, you get a discount off um, for being a listener of us. And that helps support our podcast Us, as well as expert. as yeah, watch we'll the apparels company so check out all that stuff please like and share our stuff on instagram if you think you have a story or you want to come on the show and you want to do a booking please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com again that is booking.warstories at gmail.com if you forget that instagram facebook link is in the bio yeah and finally uh last week we debuted a song at the end of the episode from uh, a veteran who's writing music and uh, producing music and, and 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 supporting veterans' causes and charities through the music that he's making, and we were we were turned on to him by our guest. Uh, so right now, if you're listening to this show, you're hearing that song again because I think that song called "Not Alone" is by Shannon Book. You can look him up on Facebook, Shannon Book Music. He's he's got his music on YouTube. He's got all over Shannon Book. B O O K Apple. Uh, he's a veteran. He's a 17-year Navy corpsman embedded with Marines, two combat tours. This, his, his, all of his stuff is geared towards what we do. You're listening to the song right now, Not Alone. So I'm going to give a big shout-out to Shannon Book and also tell you that I've been in contact with Shannon, and he's completely, Chuck and I are, are, are super excited because we're talking to him right now. Uh, Chuck is going to get him scheduled, and we're going to have Shannon Book on the show to talk about uh, his time and what he's doing now. So yeah, that, that's going to be really cool. And, and guys, go support him. Go mm-hmm. go to Apple. Go to go to whatever music Android or whatever the Amazon one is. Go to Amazon Music. Download his stuff. I've already downloaded every single one of his songs to help him mm-hmm. and to help support him because yeah. I think it's really awesome to what he's doing. And the songs will really touch you and move you. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. We're, we're I'm looking forward to to because it turns out Chris and I are neighbors secretly yeah <laughs> looking forward to meeting up in the real world uh but i appreciate okay. you coming on the show man do you have anything you want to say as we close out i just want to say thanks again for having me on it was fun and i, I got more stories you know they they pop up in your head hell, i know we can cool. we need to do this yeah. again you're welcome back anytime <laughs> well now that i know you're close next time we do it we can do it in person we don't have to do it over this bullshit Heck yeah computer. that'd we be do fun old school yeah. So have oh, some yeah. actual drinks and then when Chuck comes up to visit, we're gonna we're gonna freaking sit down and actually sit at a table and, and do it yeah. like we used to do pre COVID. So I'm um, right. looking forward to it. Chris, you're welcome back anytime and uh, uh we'll uh we'll talk soon and until our next episode, come home with your shield or on. You